Today's episode of All the Books is sponsored by William Morrow and Fail or Dodge in Hell by Neil Stevenson. If you could live forever, if you could cheat death with science and money, death would not be pleased. New from Neil Stevenson, the number one New York Times bestselling author of Reemdy and Seven Eves, comes the wildly inventive new science fiction thriller Fall or Dodge in Hell. Read Fall or Dodge in Hell by Neil Stevenson, on sale now from William Morrow, wherever books are sold. to all the books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 213, and today we are talking about books being released on June 18th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Christina Garcia Lynch, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. How's it going? All right. Uh, it's been it's been a week of transition for me. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were chatting before we pressed record, but I just remembered I forgot to tell you that I got progressive lenses for the first time. I don't know what that means. Does that it, mean like they're smarter than the other lenses? No, it means are they are they woke? Like I don't know what that no, means. No, <laughs> it means that that I'm uh, basically wearing bifocals now. Oh, is that and bad? It's it's just combined with my child. Finishing her first year of preschool and turning four, I just feel the relentless march of time, and and <laughs> oh. it's it's been something. Well, are they at least cool though? Like you they, get like cool. Are they like leopard frames? That would be awesome. Well, no, because I'm not cool enough to pull yeah, of leopard you are. prints off. What? I mean, I'm not Liberty Hardy. Are they funky? Yeah. No. They're they're funkier than lots of other glasses. It's okay. I don't you know. can you can just say um no, I'm actually a grown-up liberty. It's fine you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. How are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, it's been a very long week, but I'm excited to talk about books. Have a few great ones today, but before Ooh. I do that, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors for today. All the books is sponsored in part by Ritual Vitamins. Even if we eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. In two easy-to-take capsules, Ritual provides nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health, all in their clean, absorbable forms. If you've been listening to the show, you know that they were a sponsor last year, and I was so interested that I actually got my own subscription, uh, and I've been taking them for almost a year now, and I love them. I do. Um, it's They're minty, which is great. Like, you take them in the morning, and it doesn't taste like death. I do take this iron supplement that tastes like death, I'm pretty sure, um, which I had to drink with, like you know, soda or something to get rid of the taste. And these are actually like minty and lovely, and I'm so happy to take them. And it's just, you know, there's no reason for me not to take them, I guess. Um, they, I feel like a little extra something. I don't know what it is. And that was how I felt when I started taking them. And so I just continue to take them. I really enjoy them. And my doctor approves, so I'm, I'm all for it. So, And also, all of Ritual's uh, vitamins are vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. And so are all the, so all the ingredients are all those things. Uh, and all their sources are those things. So there, it's and it's all out there for the world to see, right on their website. So it's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month with no strings attached. 
And better health doesn't happen overnight. And so Ritual is now offering listeners 10% off your first three months. So fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that supports a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash books to start your ritual today. And that's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash books. So I, I just really enjoy them. I'm happy to answer any questions online if anybody has any. I mean, to the best of my ability. Wondering where Liberty gets all her zip and pep. Yeah. Did they just like add like a little something extra? Even when I don't feel good, I still feel like there's something there that like makes me feel a little better. You know, so I'm cling- I'm clinging to that. <laughs> um, but I really enjoy them. So now I would like to tell you about my first book because it is so good. Sometimes you hear about books that are being hyped and they're just everywhere. And then you read them and it's like, mm, okay, that was more like promotional than actual <laughs> substance. Um, but this book has been being talked about for so long and it's so good. It is called Fleischman is in Trouble and it's by Taffy Bradiser Ackner. Um, who apparently writes for a lot of other publications. This is her first novel. I was not aware of her before this, but oh my goodness, it's so good. It's about a man named Toby Fleischman. He is 41 years old. He is recently divorced from his wife of 14 years, Rachel. Um, He has two kids. He works as a hepatologist, which I did not know what that was, so I had to look it up. It is a specialist who deals with the liver, pancreas, gallbladder, and assorted areas around those. Um, he did not have a great marriage. He's really actually sad, though, that it, that it dissolved. Um, they just kind of made each other miserable. Uh, his wife sort of changed as, as the years went on. Um, he was the breadwinner for a while, then she became an agent and made, like, a ton more money than him, and, and towards the end there it felt like everything that they did was because she allowed it because it was her money, and she wanted all, like, the nicest things and the most expensive things, and... And he spent most the majority of his time taking care of the children. He didn't feel like she was that interested in having the kids once they had them. Um, so now, like, they, after, like, a very long struggle to figure out what was going on, you know, he wanted a divorce and she didn't want one, and then finally she agreed. Um, he now lives five blocks away, uh, and he, he sees his kids all the time. They have a daughter named Hannah who is 11. She's about to turn 12. Um, she hates her parents. She hates everyone. She wants a phone. She doesn't have one yet. She's really mad about that. But her parents told her she could get her, get one for her 12th birthday, which is coming up. Um, and they have a son named Solly, who is just very sweet and very sensitive and very nervous about everything. And Toby feels like he needs to protect him. And so, like I said, he lives like five blocks away from where they live now. And he, he gets them on the weekends. Um, but he wakes up one morning and there's a text message from his ex, Rachel, saying... You know, I dropped the kids. I, I dropped the kids off. Like she let herself into his apartment. He gave her a key um, and brought the kids in and put them to bed, like in the middle of the night while he was asleep, a uh, day before he was su- like she was supposed to. And he's you know saying like like what is going on? She's like oh I'm going to this retreat and all this stuff and you know sorry. And he was like oh this is so typical her like to just think about her needs and to like you know I have stuff to do and I have a date because. One of the things that Toby is amazed by is the new world of dating. Back when he started um, dating, uh, they weren't—they didn't have apps like all the apps that people mm. have now for like dating. And he is just blown away by what is going on in the world of apps. He's on several. He gets, you know, pictures and messages from strangers, and he just can't believe it. Like he, you know, it's—he gets naked photos from people he doesn't know. You know, who, who <laughs> like like still want to meet him, and he's pretty impressed by all of this. Uh, and he's, you know, and he's still having, like, he's having some, you know, um, interactions with these people. He goes on a couple of dates. He's had, you know, some casual sex. 
Uh, and so he has a date that night, but, you know, now he's, you know, his uh, ex-wife has kind of ruined his plan, so he calls the housekeeper and asks her to watch them. Um, and so, like, the weekend kind of goes along, and then when it's Rachel's time to come get the kids, she doesn't show up. And she doesn't answer her phone when he's like, you know, where are you? And his daughter is furious. They're supposed to be going to the Hamptons. His wife, his ex-wife has a house in the Hamptons. And she's really, really mad, and he can't get a hold of her, and nobody seems to know where she is. And so he's trying to deal with all of that. And as the book goes along, he's, you know, we see, like, scenes from their marriage. Um, and, like, he has all these thoughts about relationships. The person narrating the book is a friend of his, and she's thinking about her own marriage. You know, because, like, there's that thing where people say, like, when someone in the in the group of friends gets divorced, you know, it kind of, like, is contagious and people start questioning their own relationships and someone else always ends up breaking up. Um, he has a single friend who, you know, is, like, the opposite side of, like, you know, he's never going to get married because, oh, it's death and, you know, it's, like, being incarcerated and, you know, who doesn't want to sleep with more than one person at a time? And, like, so it's, like, you can see the opposite side of that coin. Um, it's... I could cry because this book is so accurate about relationships, like, you know, the, the adage, we always hurt the ones we love, you know, this book is so sharp in its observations about how people treat each other, about the little things that happen as relationships get older, um, about the things that are great about being in a relationship, about the things that are great about being single. Um, it's also super raunchy, but, like, in a very smart, straightforward way. You know, as I mentioned, like, he's getting these messages and texts all the time from these random strangers, um, and it's kind of hilarious. And, like, basically, the book is, there's no good answer. There is no good answer, like, to relationships. Like, whether the people who are single are, are better off or the people who are in relationships are better off. You know, it's obviously, you know, a case-to-case -case basis. And it's just so funny and wonderful. And I wanted to just, I never do this, but I just wanted to read this, like, tiny little do bit it. from the book. Um, because she has taken the liver... And made, like, the most profound statement about life. Um, livers behaved in some erratic ways, sure. All the organs do. But the liver was unique in the way that it healed. It was full of forgiveness. It understood that you needed a few chances before you got your life right. And it wouldn't just forgive you. It would practically forget. It would allow you to start over in a way that he could not imagine was true in any other avenue of life. We should all be like the liver, he thought. We should all regenerate like this when we are injured. On the darkest days of his marriage, Toby attended to his hospital business and out of the corner of his eyes was always the liver, whispering to him that one day there would be not much sign of all of this damage. He would regenerate too. I just loved that. Aww. Absolutely loved that. So if you couldn't tell, I love this book. It's so good. <laughs> so again, it is called Fleischman is in Trouble and it's by Taffy Bradiser Ackner. All right. Uh, my first pick came out last week, June 11th, and it is a graphic novel called Hotel Dare by Terry Blas and Claudia Aguirre with letters by Mike Fiorentino. And this is, this is, this is so much fun. I, I got it, um, as an, as a physical, advanced review copy, which I love because because I could really just linger over the pages and flip flipping through books with such such great art, especially the color palette is so much fun when you've got a physical book in front of you because because you just have this kaleidoscope in front of you as you as you flip the pages. I, I 
love, I love, love, love the art here. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about what is happening in this plot of this graphic novel. You've got Olive and her adopted siblings, Darwin and Charlotte. And Charlotte is the latest addition to the Splendid family, and she's having she's having a hard time feeling like like this family is her family. And and the the three of them wind up in Mexico for the summer to live and work in their Grandma Lupe's hotel. And Olive is there for for an, another reason. She would really like to get to the bottom of why her father and Lupe's relationship is so strained because because her dad won't really talk much about his childhood. Uh, and she she has no clue as to why he has has these these feelings of of resentment, why there's this distance between him and and Grandma Lupe. So they they they're a little into the snooping because Olive wants to solve that mystery. And Charlotte is just a really inquisitive, uh, mechanically minded, uh, like engineer type person wearing her overalls with her tool belt. And so she's, she's poking around, tinkering with things too. And one day they are cleaning the hotel while Grandma Lupe is at the market, and they discover that the doors of the hotel are portals that open up onto different worlds. Um, in one of the worlds, there are a bunch of cranky wizards. In another world, there are a bunch of these, these like fluffy cloud-like creatures who are also might be really, really dangerously carnivorous. Uh, and, and in another world, you've got this spaceship that is breaking down. And it's, it's just amazing the way that these worlds are tied up into this one mythology that comes tumbling out when Grandma Lupe returns and realizes that her grandchildren have made this discovery and it's time to tell them her life story. And I just, it's, it's an amazing tale. And I love that it's this fantasy and sci-fi that is super grounded in Latinx imagery. It's, it's like a Narnia that that really speaks to a more multicultural experience, especially since this this family of of Olive, Darwin, and Charlotte, they they are a very blended family. Uh, and I just I love how it becomes this story of found family. I, I'm a I'm just a sucker for found family stories, and the tale itself wraps up neatly. But there's so much potential for telling more stories in this world, whether it's fleshing out the things that Grandma Grandma Lupe has experienced or telling stories that pick up where this book ends or even little little side quests in any one of the different worlds that you get to visit through the magic doors in this hotel. 
And it's it's just one of my it's one of the best graphic novels I've read. I've read in a while. I just had such a fun fun time with every every aspect of this. So that is Hotel Dare by Terry Blass and Claudia Aguirre with letters by Mike Fiorentino. All right. My next pick is a YA novel out from Soho Press. It is called All of Us with Wings by Michelle Ruiz Kyle. It's about a 17-year-old Mexican-American girl named Zochi. Uh, it's a own voices YA fantasy. It's so fantastic. It's told in several points of view, including a cat. So, I mean, hello right there. Sure. Had to read it. Um, Zochi has had kind of a rough life. She has ha- she was abandoned by her mother. She's had a lot of trust issues. She has had a lot of unfortunate things happen to her. Um, and she's sort of like lost and kind of running away. Uh, and she meets a 12-year-old girl named uh, Pallas. And she is the daughter of a rock star. And they convince her dad to let Zochi live in the house and become Pallas's governess. Um, and it's kind of like, he's a rock star, and it's kind of like a sex, drug, and rock and roll uh, sort of atmosphere. It's a, it's a very grown-up atmosphere. Um, but she feels a kinship with Paulus, and one night during the autumn equinox, they're kind of messing around, um, casting spells, and they accidentally summon two green fae who show up and are like, we are going to get revenge for Zoshi for the very things that, you know, drove her out of her home and on the people that have hurt and upset her. Um, which kind of sounds cool. Like, you know, you get, you like, uh, supernatural creatures that, you know, want to do, like, terrible things to the people who have hurt you. Like, kind of sounds good. But, no, it's bad. Can be bad. Very bad. Um, so it's just this, a a wonderful book about the confusion of adolescence. Um, and it has very realistic portrayals of some very serious issues, there are descriptions of sex, uh, sex abuse, drug use. Um, there is discussion of body modification. If that kind of weirds you out, uh, just be aware that it's in there. It's sort of on the older end of the YA-aged readers, maybe even like new age. But it's so complex and beautiful and just, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I saw a lot of people on Goodreads comparing it to Francesca Leah Block, if that's how you say her name. Um, who I've never read, so I cannot, you know, I can neither confirm or deny, but um, that was mentioned a whole bunch of times. Uh, So if that's an author that you love, if you just love beautiful, surreal stories, then I highly recommend it. It is All of Us with Wings by Michelle Ruiz Kyle. Okay, and I am going to tell you about Haunting Paris by Mamta Chaudhry and this is a a debut novel set in Paris during the bicentennial summer and Sylvie is a piano teacher whose partner 30 years her senior has recently passed away she's feeling really insecure because um they they had spent almost 30 years together and uh, they had never married because her partner Julian was technically still married to the wife that he left Sylvie to be with. And she has always felt inferior and 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 really like she was she was something less than what his first wife or his his wife 
was and still is uh, because she came from a more working class background and and wasn't necessarily or didn't feel herself to be as elegant or refined. Uh, and and Julian was someone who who made her feel so loved and she doesn't know what her purpose in life is now that he is gone. Uh, she hasn't been able to come out of her grief enough to go back to teaching her piano students. She's just in, in her Paris apartment, really, really broken. And she rents half of her apartment out to an American couple who are there for the bicentennial celebrations. And she's got, uh, she's got, Someone who's who's basically like I, I'm relating to this as a New Yorker. Someone who's basically the super of her building, uh, who's also looking out for her, and uh, various other other people. There, it's it's very much an ensemble novel, and and they're all looking out for Sylvie, concerned about how she's coping, and unbeknownst to everybody else, the the ghost of Julian is also there looking out for Sylvie as well. And the the novel switches points of view from Julian, who's wandering around Paris, this disembodied ghost slipping in and out of time, and Sylvie as she navigates being being a, a widow without having really been a wife. And she comes across among Julian's possessions some some scraps of of things a letter a photograph and all of it points towards a mystery around a sister that Julian had had left to go study in London during World War II and while he was gone she and her children were rounded up and were lost uh presumed dead in in the holocaust so this is this is very much a a holocaust story even though it takes place in 1989 and it's just this really lyrical love story uh and again it's kind of another found family tale as Sylvie picks up the threads of this mystery and finds renewed purpose in trying to solve this and find out what became of of the niece that Julian had had some kind of feeling might still be alive might have escaped the Nazis and it's just it's just a really beautiful it was it was nice to spend time with these people who are just strolling the streets of Paris. And at the same time, the, the parts of it that dealt with the Holocaust just made me cry while I was reading it. Uh, it and in the end, it was, a very, it was a very life-affirming ghost story. And I highly recommend Haunting Paris by Mamta Chaudhry. All right. I have no segue. (laughs) I'm just going to talk about my next book, which is The Poison Thread by Laura Purcell. 
she is the author of The Silent Companions, which came out a couple years ago. If you're familiar with that, that was a creepy, fun read. This is another Victorian Gothic horror novel. It's about a young woman named Dorothea. Uh, her mother raised her to do good, uh, taught her to be kind, to be charitable, and to do good things. And after her mother dies, you know, she's trying really hard to do all these things, and she decides, like, she needs to do volunteer work. Uh, she wants to do charity work, so she gets uh, permission to go visit a women's prison. Um, she's really into phrenology, which is the reading of bumps of people's heads, which is, was a big thing um, in the Victorian times. Uh, it, they felt like if you, they could tell you, like, about you by reading, like, how your scalp felt or your skull felt... Um, and she's going to go do that and, and talk to some of the prisoners, and she meets a teenager named Ruth, who has been locked up. She is a murderess. Uh, Ruth was a seamstress, and uh, she's been accused of murder, but Ruth says it wasn't her. It was her needle and thread that, that did it. Oh, um, man. Yeah. This book <laughs> is actually called The Corset in the UK and other places. Um so that tells you a bit of what is going on. But Ruth sort of tells Dorothea her story about, you know, how, like, this is what happened. Here's my sad story. Um, and, you know, Dorothea is trying to decide, like, is she a vicious killer or is she a victim? Um, it, it does a really great job highlighting, like, what an awful time it was to be poor not that it's ever been a good time, but, like, you know, they have the, they throw you in prison if you can't pay your bills, and, you know, you can't get out, and it's just, like, this vicious cycle, and it's also doubly horrible to be a woman, um, and Dorothea has grown up in a very cushy life, you know, this is sort of, like, a culture shock for her, and she's learning all about, you know, the people, you know, outside of her little world, um, it casts a really sort of vicious, gloomy spell, it's a bit grotesque and horrifying at times. Um, sort of puts the ick in gothic. Uh, so if you <laughs> like super creepy um, Victorian gothic horror novels, uh, I highly recommend it. It is The Poison Thread, and it's by Laura Purcell. And speaking of being locked up, our next sponsor is Third Love. Third Love is back. Uh, we're excited for that. With more than 70 sizes, including their signature half-cup sizes, 3rd Love designs bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and a premium feel. If you just answer a few simple questions via 3rd Love's Fit Finder quiz to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds, you will, they'll tell you what you need. And then thanks to 3rd Love's 100% fit guarantee, you can wear, wash, and put your bra to the test for 60 days. And if you don't love it, you can return it and 3rd Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. So this is hands down the most comfortable bra you will own with straps that won't slip, tagless labels, and lightweight, super thin memory foam cups. So if you've been listening to the show, you know that 3rd Love has been a sponsor many times. Uh, they've sent us bras. We absolutely love them. I mean, honestly, you know, if it was up to me, like, I wouldn't wear one. Like, that would be great <laughs> if I didn't have to wear one. Um, I watched Fleabag recently. Have you seen this? The, the TV yes, show? Yes, and I'm just like, I do not have the chest to pull off that jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say, like, they have the this, ju- like, a couple weeks ago on Twitter, everybody was talking about this jumpsuit, jumpsuit that she wears in the first episode of season two, which is, like, this backless, black, strappy thing, which has, like, this really amazing keyhole cut in the front. And I was like, you know, I wish I could wear that. I could pull it off and look great if I didn't move. But if I had to move, it would look like two baby belugas trying to get through a revolving (laughs) door, you know? 
So, like, I have to wear a bra. Like, it's just not, it's not possible. And so I'm very lucky that we found Third Love because they are, like, easily the most comfortable bra I've ever worn. I don't think I've ever worn a comfortable bra until we got Third Love bras. I absolutely love them. And at the end of the day, I'm not, like, scrambling to take it off because it's squeezing me to death or I'm just so miserable. And it's a really nice feeling. And so if you would like to experience that, Third Love knows that there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering listeners 15% off your first order. You go to thirdlove.com books to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com books for 15% off today. And we thank them for sponsoring. Third love for when you don't want your supportive undergarments to poison you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. Um, I have the next pick. And it is One Night in Georgia by Celeste O. Norfleet. And this is a book set in 1968. And, uh, Zelda is hanging out in her her home in New York City. It's like a week before she's due to go back to school for her senior year at Spelman College. And she's not getting along with her mother and her stepfather and just really wishing that she had stayed in D.C. with her uncle and her aunt like she usually does on her school breaks when her friends Veronica and Daphne pull up in a brand new car that Veronica's parents have given her as a graduation present and say, get in, we are going to take a road trip back to college. And she, she says, you're, you're nuts. It's so dangerous to be black, just anywhere but you're you're proposing that we drive south in a a fancy convertible and and you you think that's going to be safe you think that's a good idea um but with the strain of being in her mom's household especially because it's the the anniversary of the the brutal murder of Zelda's father by police officers right in front of her eyes when she was a teenager. Uh, There's just all of these things that compel her to say, okay, fine, I'm going to get in the car with you and we're going to drive. And uh, they, they make some detours. They stop at a beach house that Veronica's wealthy family owns and there they are joined by Daniel, a Morehouse man and Vietnam veteran who is sent there by a friend of Zelda's stepfather um, to, to make sure that the girls get to college safely. He's, he's saying, you know what, I've been, I've been asked to escort you, to watch out for you. And the girls begrudgingly say, okay, fine, you can, you can come with us. And uh, they set off in a couple of days after that on this, on this road trip. And it is something that uh, it's, 
it's very conversational. It's there's a lot of dialogue, and each one of the characters sounds so distinct from each other. It's it's like you're right there in the car with them, just eavesdropping on their conversation. So that was that was really fun to read, and and that's part of what made this book feel like it went by so fast. It felt like a really quick read. Um, but there, there's also a, a whole lot of pain that they articulate and a whole lot of pain that they experience because Zelda's not wrong. In 1968, the South is a very dangerous place to be. And this book shows the many ways in which they are threatened and beaten and just abused emotionally and physically and you won't be able to stop yourself from thinking about parallels that that still exist today decades later um and i'm i'm somewhat i can be somewhat literal sometimes and to be honest i was really frustrated that this book is called one night in georgia and they don't actually get to georgia until like halfway through this book um but it it turns into one of those things where once you're there soak in everything that happens on that one night because this this book is really about how 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 pain and how societal oppression systemic oppression can just come tumbling down a hill as a as a tiny tiny little snowball and and wind up a, a massive thing at the bottom of it and then just keep on rolling down past that one night and the the different people who collide on this one night in Georgia and the different things that come out of it are it's it's just a really really uh, intimate but universal story and I I'm so glad I read it and I hope you guys read it too it is one night in Georgia by Celeste O Norfleet I'm excited to read that I just got a copy and it looks really good oh, and I was like oh, oh the cover the cover is amazing I yeah, love the cover it's fantastic and speaking of books with awesome covers my last pick is a little book, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it. It's called Silver in the Wood by Emily Tesh. It's one of those famous, fabulous tour novellas. I love the tour.com novellas. Um, it takes sort of like the Green Man legend. Um, if you're familiar with the Green Man, he is like that mask that you always see with like all the leaves on the face. Yeah. It's a pagan symbol. It's like a Wiccan deity. Uh, he shows up in Celtic religions. Um, it means like seasonal renewal and environmental awareness and the earth and all these different things and this story is about a place called green hollow woods and a man named tobias he is the keeper of the woods um i think i can't remember the name of the book that i talked about recently where this was the same thing but he sort of keeps the people safe from the things in the woods like as long as he is keeping track of the woods the things that are in there that want to come out and get the people cannot. Um, and he is actually, he's been doing this for 400 years. Uh, and living in this little cottage outside the woods with his cat, Pearl. And that's what he does. He keeps the woods in check. And then one day, 
there is a new owner of Green Hollow Hall named Henry Silver, who is very young and very handsome, and the things in the woods would like to get to him very much, um, but he is he is unaware of it, but he is obsessed with local lore, and he shows up at Tobias's door, um, which freaks him out because that doesn't usually happen, and he wants him to tell him all about, you know, the legends of the green man and, or the wild man and, like, all this stuff, and they sort of strike up a friendship, and then they sort of kind of fall in love, and it's very sweet. Uh, it's only, like, a hundred pages long, but it's a very enchanting fairy tale novella, and I adored it. It is Silver in the Wood by Emily Tesh. All right, um, and my final pick for today is Recursion by Blake Crouch, and this came out last week, June 11th. And, um, okay, so the last book, it was 1968, Black College Students in the American South. That's, that's an implicit content warning, um, but I want to give you an explicit content warning here because the very first thing that happens in this book is police detective Barry Sutton responds to uh, a call and it's a woman on top of a building threatening to jump and he's not able to save her. Uh, and he is is haunted not just by this suicide that he was unable to prevent, but the fact that in, in the moments before she jumped, she told him that she was suffering from false memory syndrome, which is something that he has heard about happening to a few other people. It's not really understood how it spreads or, or what it's, it's actual, what, what actually is happening in the body of a person who has it, but what it is, is a person one day wakes up and they have memories of a whole other life that is different from their own. That is not the life that they lived. And it's not just a memory here or there, but it's, it's a whole entire lifetime that feels so real. Um, so this woman, she, she woke up and she is living and working in New York City, but she has these memories of running a landscaping company with her husband. And they had a son together. And now she's been trying for about a month to go about her daily life. And it's terrible for her because she feels like this this son that she she had and remembers loving has has just been erased um and from there barry starts to investigate being a detective what is what is going on here and what false memory syndrome really is and what could be causing it and uh it's so hard to talk any more about this book without spoiling anything um, because if if you know Blake Crouch's uh, earlier book, Dark Matter, from 2016, it's a really high-concept thing. And this, too, is a super high-concept novel and it's this sci-fi suspense thriller that just really does an excellent job of setting a 
complicated goal for itself and then just absolutely landing it. Uh, there, there are some scientific and philosophical questions that it, if this book were written poorly, you might feel like they, they sidestepped really delving into those things. But this feels so, this feels so satisfying the way that it's wrapped up. And, and I just, I couldn't put it down and be prepared to, to attempt to read it in one sitting. And, uh, there's a Netflix movie and a TV series, I believe that, uh, that, that are in development right now. I don't know how they're gonna, they're gonna do this with a, a film and a television series, but, uh, you should pick it up now so that when that finally hits streaming services, you are all ready to watch it. And it is Recursion, a novel by Blake Crouch. When I was six, I had a dream that I had a Barbie dream house, and it was so vivid that when I woke up, I was like inconsolable and then cranky for days. <laughs> I still remember that dream. I get so annoyed when I dream that I started my day and and started, you know, doing my morning chores and going about stuff. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I, I have to do all of that stuff for real now. OK, but this so, is like this is kind of inspired by one of those those things that we all I think a lot of people our age have this experience of remembering the Berenstein Bears and mm-hmm. everyone's like, no, it wasn't the Berenstein Bears. It was the Berenstain Bears. And you look it up and it says Berenstain, S-T-A-I-N. But you're like, I could have sworn it was S-T-E-I-N. And <laughs> just that that conviction that there's a reality that was real that that for some reason isn't borne out by the facts of this reality. like, But just disorienting on a much larger scale is what this book <laughs> is. It's, it's pretty amazing. That's a hilarious example. <laughs> so those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Uh, I have like a pile of things uh, that I need to pick from. And I just... I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be something nonfiction. I just, I need me some nonfiction now. Well, I just, I just don't know. Name something that you have. Oh. Like what? What's in your pile? Um, okay. It's Finding Our Place in the Universe, and it's got this gorgeous cover of, like, some sort of space Hubble telescope-like image thing. And Mm -hmm. it's basically about how we discovered where our solar system actually ends, which is not with Pluto, as so many people have been believing for ever. Um, And I just, it's it's one of those things where in one way, uh, recursion, where it talks about memories and stuff, it it will make my my head spin just imagining all of the philosophical and existential implications of things and and lately i've been finding myself uh in that same kind of odd headspace whenever i i read about 
outer space. Um, so I guess it's not necessarily such a, a deviation from the fiction I've been reading in terms of the feelings it's giving me. But space is so cool and huge and it blows my mind. All right. What are you reading? <laughs> I'm reading The Right Swipe by <laughs> Alicia Rye, which is... More updating. Her... Yeah, it's coming out in the fall, though in August, I think. August? July? I don't know when it's coming out. Um, but I'm excited to read it. It says it's about two rival dating app creators who find themselves at odds in the boardroom but in sync in the bedroom. So, hey, hey. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like a, a you've got mail for yeah for digital dating. Yeah, that's basically you know what what I was thinking. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading that, and that is all for today. Thank you to William Morrow. Fall or Dodge in Hell by Neil Stevenson is out now wherever books are sold. Thank you to Ritual. You can get 10% off your first three months if you go to ritual.com slash books. And thank you to Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books for 15% off today. If you want to tell us anything about your very vivid dreams or, you know, what she dropped about the Berenstain Bears, uh, you can <laughs> let us know at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Maria Christina is on Twitter at Meowy Christina, which is M-E-O-W-Y-C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. I mostly hang out on Instagram now at Franzen Comes Alive. Uh, and if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy reading. Oh, I should have said that too. <laughs> <laughs> happy reading. Happy reading.